we're looking at one of the great traditions of the game is walking with a caddy. And we're trying to bring it back using a little bit of technology and not destroy the game of golf in the process. We're trying to reinforce the game of golf and bring a whole new crew of people into the game that might not have otherwise been exposed or invited into it. So I've heard people call it generous orthodoxy. I just call it using technology to bring back tradition. It's very fair to say it's a passion project. I had a pretty successful first half of my career here in DC in the defense and telecommunications world. And I had the benefit, Colin, of coming into golf and having no golf industry experience whatsoever other than being a passionate golfer and loving caddies. So I didn't know the 150 reasons why this wouldn't work. And I was told those 150 reasons on a regular basis by people from the golf industry. I wish it for everyone that you can have the ignorance that I had coming in because it just allows you to push forward and say, no, I know the right way to do this. I can see it. I think the golf industry is slowly coming to the same realization that I had several years ago. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, thank you for joining us. And remember to hit the subscribe button to either iTunes or our show page at www.mod.golf so that you'll never miss the latest engaging story with my amazing guests. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today my guest is Dave Cavosa, who is the founder of Caddy Now. Caddy Now creates an Uber-like experience for golfers and course operators by providing an easy and engaging on-demand caddy experience. Dave, welcome and thanks so much for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. Colin, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It is my pleasure. And unbeknownst to our listeners, because I did edit it out, it took me 14 times to pronounce your not-that-hard-to-pronounce last name. So thank you for your patience already with that, Dave. I've been called worse. <laughs> there you go. So Dave, we had a chance to talk the other day. And what really excites me most about what you're creating here with Caddy Now is the opportunity not just to create a new business, but also to create a movement. So to get us started here, Dave, give us an overview of Caddy Now and tell us a bit about yourself and your personal connection to the game of golf. Sure. Caddy Now, we created this movement to bring caddies back to the game of golf, as simple as that. And the folks who have come aboard the team over the last three years and the courses that have signed on, the investors that have come on board, we're all focused on that one mission. That's our why. We want to see caddies available at every golf course got 15,000 courses in the United States today and obviously quite a few more throughout the planet. And our belief is the best way to play golf is walking with a caddy on your bag and in our case, especially a youth caddy. Unfortunately, over the last 30 or 40 years, caddy programs have sort of gone away due to many reasons, one of those being how great golf carts are. So we want to see that come back. And luckily, you know, the, uh, the on-demand economy and the Ubers and Lyfts of the world have shown us the way. They've shown us how to do this. So we're dragging the golf industry back into the on-demand economy or dragging them into the on-demand economy. Right. So, and I know you have a personal connection, not only with golf, but even more so with caddying. So you can tell us about your personal story and your connection, your, your bit of your backstory there? Well, sure. As a kid, much like many of us, I caddied when I was younger for my father, for friends of his at a local golf club. And as an adult, I've reflected back on that and said that it was one of the most important experiences in my life. And it really dictated who I became as an adult. It taught me how to carry myself around adults, how to talk to them, look them in the eye, firm handshake. It taught me how, how to act and how not to act around adults. Uh, it taught grit, the value of a dollar. And those are all things that I think have been instrumental to who I became as an adult, as it's probably been for many people who caddied when they were younger. 
So you see firsthand as a kid, when you were first working, the opportunity it gave you and a lot of kids nowadays not having those opportunities, which, and you explained this very nicely the other day, so I'm going to let you explain this, not myself. And you touched on certain ideas like the gig economy, which for people out there that don't know what the gig economy is, that is having multiple jobs, part-time jobs, hustling for gigs, whether it's a one-off or doing several things and juggling at the same time, which Uber drivers very much are part of that gig economy. So you're really looking to unlock the potential within young adults, teenagers, high school students, youth in their early 20s here to really give them the opportunity to work where really there isn't that opportunity before. Can you tell us a bit about that opportunity that you've seen there, Dave? Yeah, the gig or the on-demand economy is growing rapidly. I've seen estimates that there are now over 70 million people in the on-demand or gig economy space, which means they're getting part of their income through a a part-time or on-demand hourly job that can be done in multiple ways. And that market is growing by the billions on a regular basis. And there's lots of companies out there and lots of spaces trying to find ways to engage young people, teens, millennials, because we've seen that a lot of teens and millennials and Generation Z upcoming, this is the way they want to work, Colin. They like the idea of using their mobile phone to get jobs when they want, where they want, and how often they want. And they get a lot of control and flexibility over that. And that's not something that you or me or our parents really had the option to do in the past. So it's a trend and we're, we're riding that trend and trying to bring it to golf. You certainly are doing this already, Dave. And I know that you're into 100 plus golf courses in the U.S. right now. And you're shooting to scale this up in 2018 at the end to at least double that. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. We're just over 100 courses now across about seven states. And the goal will be to get to about 200 in 2018. But most importantly, there's some specific markets that we're now launching in this year that we weren't in in previous years. And we want to make sure that those markets are a success. And luckily, we've started to get some attention from some very high-end blue chip golf courses like the Olympic Club that recently signed on with us. That's helped us also get the attention of a lot of other courses. I'm sure Olympic must be a massive validator for you. It's like a lot of things in life, whether it's that first sponsor or that first investor, once you actually have one locked in and it makes it so much easier for other easy, easy is maybe the wrong term there as an entrepreneur, less difficult. Maybe that's more fair to say there, Dave. That's fair. That for others to actually then see is like, hey, if Olympic is going to do it, then they've done their due diligence and we're going to have a good look at this too. Yeah. And I think Olympic and a lot of these other high-end clubs that have existing caddy programs as well are seeing this trend happening and they want someone to come in and take the liability and legal and tax and worker and labor issues off their plate and also bring in some new technology and bring in a new face to golf with some of these younger kids. Now, I do want to get into this. There's lots of pain points that you are resolving here with Caddy now. But one of the things I wanted to talk about first, people may be listening and thinking, oh, mod golf is the future of golf. Why are you going back to something so traditional that some may think is archaic, which you and I don't believe, and we're going to prove this out in a a minute here. Why are you going something that's almost a throwback in a lot of people's minds as something as traditional as caddying and then bringing that forward in, in the future here? And I know you and I talked about this. We've talked about lean startup methodologies and how you actually implement this in your business. And we'll touch on that in a minute. But the other one we talked about also is this notion of blue ocean strategy in a business where you're then looking at untapped markets or opportunities and looking outside of your industry for ideas to reshape your own industry. You've talked about that with Uber and Lyft you have this opportunity here to create an emotional experience, not just a functional experience through Caddy Now, and create something with technology enabling that to take something that's traditional in the game of golf and unlock a new market for that. So you can 
touch on that a little bit for us? Yeah. I mean, you, you already said it, right? Is that we're using technology to bring back one of the great traditions of golf, walking with a caddy. We often refer to it on our team as the caddy renaissance, and we're seeing it. There are now hundreds of golf courses on our platform and other companies' platforms that are bringing caddies back that didn't have them three or four years ago. We're seeing a lot more focus in the game of golf on growth of the game and diversity, and that's exactly what we're doing with this platform. We're getting kids, not just the usual suspects, but a much more diverse group of people into the game of golf because they don't need to know golf well already. They don't need to go sit at a golf course, Colin, and wait around for three or four hours and hope they get out on a loop. They know exactly when they're working, where they're working, who they're working for, and they're in control. They don't have to report to some caddy manager or some boss. They're the boss. And they have a lot of flexibility. And that's growing the game already. And it's going to continue to grow and diversify the game, in my belief. I agree completely. And to that note, I find it great that you have not just made this assumption, let's say even based on your own caddying experiences, like this is what I had as a kid. Here's an opportunity. I'm just making this leap of faith assumption that, yeah, there's a business model there. I know that with the 2017 caddy report that you did in conjunction with Buffalo Agency, that you went out there and you had customer validation or got the data and asked the right questions to see if what you had was actually wanted if there is demand there or if you were just making some assumption that was way off the mark. So can you start by telling us a bit of the numbers there and what was revealed itself in that 2017 Caddy report? Yeah, so uh, the Buffalo Agency went out and surveyed, I think, 300,000 golfers in their database and they got back a statistically significant response rate. And there's lots of information we got from that report and we've released it. It's on our website for those who want to grab it later. But the most significant data point there was that roughly 36% of the golfers who responded said that they would be willing and interested to take a caddy if it was available to them at their everyday golf course. And to us, that's the magic number right there. That's a 36% of all the golfers in the United States are saying, yeah, I would take a caddy if it were available, but it's not available to me at my average golf course. You know, there's only about a thousand golf clubs today in the country that have caddy programs, small, medium, or large caddy programs, and there's 15,000 clubs. So our view is, yeah, that thousand courses that already have caddy programs, we can help them manage their program more efficiently and bring in new caddies as well with some technology. But there's 14,000 more caddy program potential courses out there. And when we talk about Blue Ocean, a very small penetration rate of rounds played, 2 to 3% penetration at that Blue Ocean in those 14,000 courses turns this into a multi-hundred million dollar marketplace. And that didn't exist two or three years ago, and we're building it now. So that's what gets me excited. Right. Have you found this also? Because I, I think the numbers, and I had this on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, a group that was based in the European market, which is Eagle Pay, which gives golfers the opportunity to play by the hole. And they found in Europe, 80% of rounds played are walked. And in the US, it's actually flipped around and it's about 80-20 carts versus walking. Have you actually found any type of resistance or is that a, a hurdle you need to overcome with courses that force people to ride with that thought that riding is actually faster so they can increase their utilization rate where you're saying, well, 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 actually, no, if you actually have caddies that are out there, the pace of play also increases. Absolutely. So can you tell us about that as far as some pushback you've got from all those golf course operators? Any PGA professional will tell you that four golfers walking with caddies are faster than four golfers in two golf carts, with obviously some exceptions to that rule. So it's not a pace of play issue. It's more just over the last 30 to 40 years, the golf cart was originally looked at as a negative and people said, oh, no one's ever going to use that. And now it's become the standard, as you said, 80%. 
So when we look at the market and when we're talking to customers and investors and they ask us about our competitors and there are other players in the space trying to do the exact same thing we're doing, I don't consider them our competitors. This is such a huge market. We won't even see them. My biggest competitor is the golf cart and just the ease of sitting on your butt and driving around the course for five hours and really not getting any exercise. And we want to get people out walking again, God forbid, reshape the golf industry. And I say reshape in a few ways. We want to reshape the waistline of all these <laughs> folks that are walking the golf course, should be walking the golf course a little bit more. You know, you burn almost 2,000 calories when you walk 18 holes with a caddy. And when you're sitting on the golf cart, it's less than half of that. Plus, people walking are going to experience the game of golf the way it was meant to be played. I think they're going to play better, much like I do when I take a caddy, and they're going to have a much better time. And also, we're going to grow the game. We're going to get more kids involved, and we're going to invite them into the game at that 14 to 18-year-old age where they can actually earn money in golf, Colin, not just learn it. We partner with the First Tee and Youth On Course and lots of other youth-based organizations that are trying to teach the game and expose the game to youth and communities of color. And we're partnering with all these groups now to say, hey, not only can we teach them the game, but we can help them learn and earn at the same time. We're all very confident that this is going to grow the game of golf. It's just going to take some time. Now, speaking of growing the game of golf, I was introduced to you through someone I consider a friend now, Sandy Cross, who is the Senior Director of Inclusion and Diversity with the PGA of America. And I believe she sits on your board or she's an advisor. So she's involved with Caddy now in some way, shape or form. Is that correct? Absolutely. Right. And I just find it very interesting that they see that opportunity to grow the game here and the pain points that you're solving that you just touched on there as far as more youth caddies, more walking, growing the game, exercise and a better golf experience. Experience. Can we expand that a bit beyond pain points from a what you would actually have in an investor deck? Can we also talk about the opportunity for the caddies, especially with golf courses that already have a caddy program as far as the onboarding and the transitioning of that also with the culture? I'm sure there's got to be some resistance there. It's my understanding, Dave, that there are golf courses out there with caddy programs that have ran into legal issues, that have ran into lawsuits now and even with the IRS. Are they an employee? Are they a contractor? And that's one of the opportunities you have to resolve that or help facilitate a better outcome. Can you talk about that a bit for us with Caddy Now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, what we've seen is unfortunately the traditional way of running a caddy program is, is under attack. We've seen several lawsuits spin up over the last five years, Florida, California, New York, and there's probably a handful that I don't even know about in the way that they've treated their caddies, which has been you know, acceptable and okay and the standard for the last 50 to 100 years. That's starting to change. Lawyers are starting to get involved. And when we look at that, we see two things. First, we see, oh boy, this could cause a huge problem for caddy programs, and we don't want to see that happen. And number two, we look at it and say, well, the good news is we're the answer to that. We solve that problem. We're able to come into a course that has a program, take all the caddies off of their books, and turn those caddies into true independent contractors. We were able to follow a lot of what the other on-demand companies are doing, learn from their mistakes, and make sure that there's about five or six key tests as to whether someone's an employee versus an independent contractor. And we focus on those tests and make sure that the caddies have the flexibility to decide where they work and when they work, how much they get paid, what they wear, they work at multiple courses, not just one course. They decide to some extent what they wear in accordance with the course dress code. They've got a lot of freedom and flexibility to help reinforce the fact that they are an independent contractor, and then that keeps everybody safe. 
And that's core to our platform. And that's now what we're able to do to protect these courses that are having problems. So Dave, that's, that's a really interesting insight there that you talk about the opportunities within the existing golf courses and golf course operators there with their caddy programs. And I find it interesting also, we, we probably hear a lot of disruption and disruptive technologies, and it's all about being disruptive these days, it seems, where that's not where the real opportunity is sometimes. Even though part of what you're doing is disruptive, I look at it more as what they call non-disruptive creation. You're finding a way to unlock opportunities and really partner and enhance with other groups rather than try to crush them, in a way, for lack of a better way to put it. You're really looking to help facilitate the existing golf course owners and the pain points they have with their caddy programs. Is that fair to say? That's what you're doing there? Yeah, I mean, we are, we're looking at one of the great traditions of the game. I think anybody would argue it's one of the great traditions of the game is walking with a caddy. And we're trying to bring it back using a little bit of technology and not destroy the game of golf in the process. We're trying to reinforce the game of golf and bring a whole new crew of people into the game that might not have otherwise been exposed or invited into it. So I've heard people call it generous orthodoxy. I just call it using technology to bring back tradition, as we've said before. Mm-hmm. I know that in our listening audience, we have a lot of golf course operators, PGA professionals, and golfers, recreational golfers like myself here. There's sort of two legs to this caddy stool. There's the vast majority of courses that don't have caddy programs, which we can walk in and create a easy caddy program for them at no cost to the golf course. And we go out and do all the recruiting and the certification of the caddies, and then the app does the rest. And then there's that block of courses that have caddy programs existing, and then we can go in, take them over, make them vastly more efficient, save the course a lot of money, and save them a lot of headaches and liability as well. So there's two pieces to it, and I want to make sure that we're clear on that. Thank you for that. And to expand on those two pieces, it must be a great opportunity for you to look at Uber and Lyft and some other on-demand businesses out there now, I guess Airbnb might fall into this also, that you are able to see now what actually works with the people that are actually providing the service and the assets that they have to see how that works as far as treating them as contractors. Have you found that's very helpful for you to get insights to, to know what to do and I guess also to learn what not to do? Yeah, it's been watching those companies that you've just mentioned and learning from them has been extremely helpful for us. And I think there's one additional curveball. Golf is not the most forward-leaning, tech-savvy industry out there. So we also have that challenge ahead of us. But we're dealing with a three-sided marketplace in a way where we have to sign the courses first or sell the course on allowing this concept. And then we've got to go get golfers and caddies. And those are all our customers. The courses, the caddies, and the golfers are all customers of ours. And we have to make sure they're all happy with the service. And that's a challenge. Yes. I'm glad you mentioned that as a three-sided marketplace that Caddy Now is. So let's look at those three sides of the marketplace here. I'm going to put on my user experience hat here as far as the journey for each one of those from a player to the owner to the actual caddy. Can you please describe, and I'll let you do them whatever order you want here, Dave. Let's say I'm, imagine I'm a lot younger than I am, and let's say I'm a teenager, or let's say my 16-year-old daughter wants to become a caddy. How would she then be able to go through the onboarding to actually become a caddy now caddy? Yeah, we spend a lot of effort on making that as easy for her as possible because we don't want to create any barriers for her to come into the game and come into caddying. What looks like a three-step sign-up process, she downloads the app and signs up. It takes about two minutes to do that. And then the first thing it's going to do is say, hey, you need to attend an on-course orientation session. So she'll sign up for a local on-course orientation session, and we run basically one a week in every market that we're in. 
And that's really where they learn how to become a caddy if they haven't before. And they learn the value of customer service and how to treat golfers. And we go out on the golf course for a period of time. And that's where if they didn't already know, that's where they learn. We also send them because this is a YouTube generation. We've figured out, let's speak to them the way they want to be spoken to, which is via YouTube videos. So we've created a raft of YouTube videos on how to caddy in case they didn't know how. And we send those to them and ask them to watch them. And in the future, we're going to recertify them on a quarterly basis and basically send them another video, make them watch it, and then they're recertified. So we make it as easy as possible for them. And what we discover is by the time they get through orientation, they're either in or they'll fall out at that point in time. They'll just go, ah, this isn't for me. It isn't what I thought it was. But we try to make it easy enough so that they can self-select out. And before we get on to the other two sides of your marketplace, how have you found from what you assumed when you started to what you've actually learned, the validated learning through having these onboarding programs? What do you find is working just as far as retention and churn and, and the validation of the certification program? Well, we've learned a couple of things. First and foremost is that you've got to communicate with teens and millennials via text. I know that sounds like a very simple and obvious thing, but early on we were using email and we discovered very quickly they're not going to read email. So you've got to communicate with them the way they want to. The other thing we've discovered is it's not the traditional country club kid that is going to become the best caddy. More often than not, they'll sign up and try it once or twice and then they don't come back for one reason or another. It is the more of the, I call it the underprivileged or the kid who hasn't been exposed to golf but wants to make money. That's the kid that takes to this very quickly. They go out and caddy once, they get paid well, they get a great tip, and they go, wow, this isn't that bad. I want to do this again. And it was really easy. So we've discovered that it's the usual 80-20 rule. About 20% of our caddies do 80% of the loops. It's not the kids we expected it to be when we first started the company. Right. And the opportunity there, the base of young people that, and I'm looking at a graph that you provided me here, Dave, that talks about the last 60 years of employment rates for young people aged 16 to 19, and it's gone from almost 50% to plummeted to under 25%. So I'm sure you see a, a huge opportunity there in that data of giving kids a chance to get out of the house and make some money. Colin, it's a huge untapped labor market. There's lots of companies trying to hire people all over this country. You see Indeed and ZipRecruiters all over the place. And yet there's this teen population that only 20% of them are working a regular part-time job. That other 80% needs some work. And the only reason that they're not working more is because of their schedule. They're in baseball, football, basketball, softball, volleyball. They're going to the beach. They've got school. Their parents are focused on their athletic sports life and their school life. And work doesn't fit in. We're fitting it in for them now. We're now giving them that ability to say, I can do this once or twice a month, and that's just fine with us. So it exposes a much larger population of potential workers. And once you get them into the platform as caddies, part of the thing we're looking at, Colin, is there's a lot more that those kids can do, not just caddy. Absolutely. And I, I love this story too, because it is the gateway to expose kids, whether they're underprivileged or they've just been involved in other sports and other aspects in their lives to get on a golf course and be exposed to the game. Just had a recent conversation that will be on an upcoming podcast with PGA Reach and PGA Works, realizing in this $70 billion a year industry to expose more young people in their teens and 20s to it as a career opportunity, not necessarily at the recreational side. So it sounds like you're yet another validator and proponent of exposing young people, initiating them to the game in a very healthy way, in a profitable way. Absolutely. And we want to keep them in golf or expose them to golf. Yes. 
Now to the next group, which I guess I would potentially fall into as a golfer myself, and let's say three of my friends, my buddies, were going to go to a golf course that has the good fortune of being one of the hundred or so right now that participate in the Caddy Now program. I know you also have, and I want you to describe this, you have four different levels at four different price points for experiences with caddying. So can you tell us about that and also talk about how would I would go right now of not having the app yet downloaded to getting on the golf course with a Caddy Now Caddy? Sure. So first of all, we allow every single golf course on our platform to customize the offering to their members or to their customers. So we have four or five standard offerings and price points, but the course gets to decide what types of caddy service levels they want there. And to some extent, they help on price point as well. Generically, we have our junior looper, which is exactly what it sounds like. Entry level kid just starting out, he or she is on their first five loops. So they are learning while they're caddying for you. And they are very inexpensive, $20 to $40 range. Then the next level is looper. And that's sort of our B caddy. That's the kid who's now caddied a little bit or maybe on the high school golf team. They've done at least five loops and we call them an experienced teen caddy. They're going to be able to help you a little bit more on the golf course, more than just a bag toter. And then we go up to pro looper after that. And that's exactly what it sounds like. It's your caddy that's either 18 or older, professional golfer, meaning they play a lot of golf, I should say, or they've caddied a lot. And when they help you on the golf course, they're going to be able to not only carry your bag, clean the club and the ball, but also help you with yardage, help you with reading putts on the green. And they're obviously a little bit more expensive. And then finally, for caddying, which is one of the most popular things in our platform for courses, especially that really like having golf carts still. Well, you can still have a four caddy with you out there to support your foursome and help speed along pace of play. And by the way, Colin, especially for outings and events, we do a huge number of outings and events where we're putting 30 four caddies out there with a group. It speeds up pace of play by about 30 minutes for that outing, which makes everybody happy. And that means it gets everybody into the clubhouse faster and home quicker. It's also another great sponsorship opportunity is that there's a big logo we put on the back of every caddy bib for the sponsor of the outing or an event. So that's sort of the four levels at a high level. So I understand here, Dave, you've actually been in market here. Is 2018 your first year or even 2017? Uh, We launched in 2016 in the D.C. market, Washington, D.C. And then over the last two years, we've expanded into seven markets and, like I said, over 100 courses. So 2018, this will be our third year and a very big year for us. So you have obviously embraced the lean startup methodology of getting in at your beachhead, in this case, the D.C. market. Uh, Only a couple of features, figuring out what resonates, discarding what doesn't, and then adding more features as you go here and then scaling this thing up. So it sounds like in year three, you're really ready to bust this thing loose. This is the big year. This is where we're signing on some very big five-star blue chip courses that everybody's going to recognize when these names become public. That really helps generate traction in this industry. As soon as they see some of the bigger names, becomes a lot more acceptable for everyone else to sign on board and help us bring caddies back to the game. So speaking about these golf courses and the blue chip ones that now are leaning in and signing up, obviously they see the value proposition and they see the pain points that you're resolving. So you touched on this a little bit, talking about the other two sides of the marketplace and the journeys with them for signing up and the experience. But can you also tell us how you're creating a frictionless experience that's going to make it less work, not more for the golf course operators? Yeah, absolutely. Of the three sides to this market, the course, the caddies, and the golfers, the courses are the easiest part, believe it or not. They get it pretty quickly. And especially given our platform is free for them to implement, that removes a lot of barriers. The course can allow our program there. All we ask them to do 
is to advertise it to their membership through newsletters, through emails, through their website, through the tea time booking process. Just let them know that you're a Caddy Now friendly course, and then we do the rest. We do all the recruiting and certification, and we make sure the course gets a T-sheet every morning so they know if there are Caddies coming and who they're working for. We handle all the payment. The Caddy is rated by the golfer directly through the app and vice versa. The Caddy rates the golfer. The golfer rates the Caddy. And the course can be as involved as they want to be, but most want to stay back and let the app handle most of the work. Nice. You've truly embraced the power of partnerships and understand the value of that to propel you forward and to scale. And you need that. And I I know from our previous conversation that you have also aligned yourself with a movement called Carry the Game, which is a nonprofit advocacy group that create new opportunities for young students to train and work as caddies. So can you tell us about the relationship you have with not only them, but some of the other partnerships that you also have that are helping you scale Caddy Now? Absolutely. We've been blessed to be in the golf industry and be focused on youth caddies. And there's a lot of organizations that want to see the same thing happen. So whether it's the First Tee, which is a big supporter, Youth on Course in California, several PGA sections have come on board with us and are huge supporters. Golf, My Future, My Game, which is a group based here in DC that wants to see communities of color more active in golf. So we've been very lucky that bringing youth caddies back to the game is something that there's a lot of organizations that support. The Carry the Game Initiative, which is being led by the Western Golf Association and the Evans Scholarship Fund. These are organizations that all want to see this happen. And they're out there with a bullhorn very loudly telling golfers that this is a great way to experience golf and that youth caddies should become the norm in this industry again. And we're all very supportive of that. This is exciting. I really see this as certainly you do. As I understand here, Dave, you had a very successful career before jumping into Caddy Now as an entrepreneur in the telecom industry and also in other areas. So you certainly didn't need to do this. It seems to me this is your passion and that this is more than just a business opportunity, although it is a very robust one. It seems like there's more to this to it to me that this really is part of your quest and part of your vision and your, and your purpose in life. Is that an overstatement or is it fair to say that? No, it's it's very fair to say it's a passion project. I had a pretty successful first half of my career here in DC in the defense and telecommunications world. And I had the benefit, Colin, of coming into golf and having no golf industry experience whatsoever other than being a passionate golfer and loving caddies. So I didn't know the 150 reasons why this wouldn't work. And I was told those 150 reasons on a regular basis by people from the golf industry. I wish it for everyone that you can have the ignorance that I had coming in because it just allows you to push forward and say, no, I know the right way to do this. I can see it. I think the golf industry is slowly coming to the same realization that I had several years ago. So it sounds like ignorance is one of your many superpowers. Bingo. The, the power of not knowing any better, that you that you didn't take no, or we don't do it that way as an answer that was valid, which it is not. So the golf industry thanks you for taking that stance. It thanks you for your ignorance. Maybe they don't know it quite yet that they need to thank you for that, Dave, but they will. And <laughs> all joking aside, it sounds like you have learned a ton over the last few years to be able to position yourself with Caddy now. You're just getting started here. It's very exciting stuff. Hey, just to finish up here, Dave, before I let you go, I'm also curious to hear not only with Caddy now, but also with yourself, the insights you've had into the golf industry. Where do you see golf being in five, 10 or 20 years or or what kind of interesting things would you like to see? Yeah, sure. I'll just stick to what I know well, which is the youth side and the caddy side now. And 
the big, hairy, audacious goal here is to see that all 15,000 courses in the country, that if you play there, you have the option of taking a caddy there within the next five years. And that through an app or through an on-demand platform, people can take caddies anywhere and everywhere. And I'm confident that if we're successful in doing that, or when we're successful in doing that, that we're going to grow the game of golf. And you'll start to see that needle tick up. Love that answer. Thank you for sharing that with us. So before I let you go here, Dave, how can people find where can they find Caddy Now, both social media and anywhere else? Let us know. Sure. The website, caddynow.com, and it's uh, C-A-D-D-I-E-N-O-W.com. Our app is available on iTunes and Google Play stores for free. And I don't know our Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn handles off the top of my head, but they're easily findable through the website. I apologize. There's so many handles these days. Well, I will make a point in the show notes for this to point our listeners in the direction to download your free app with Caddy Now, but also the other links you've mentioned and including all of your social media links. Yeah, and let us know if you want this at your golf course. If you'd like the option of taking a caddy, reach out to us and we'll talk to your professional staff and get it there. Absolutely. I do know with the listenership of the Mod Golf Podcast, I am based up here in Vancouver, up in Canada. About 25% of our listeners are Canadian, but the majority, over 70%, are in the U.S. I know you're focusing on the U.S. market right now before you roll this out elsewhere. So all of our Canadian listeners, unfortunately, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer for caddy now, but hopefully... Who knows? Maybe one day one of my kids will be working with Caddy now to make some extra money. <laughs> so, hey, Dave Cabosa, thank you so much for joining me today. Founder and CEO of Caddy Now, Dave, I look forward to talking to you again. And well, I think we're going to have to have another conversation in, let's say, a year's time to see the trajectory of Caddy Now and see where you guys are then, because I think it's only going to go up and the traction is only going to increase. So, congratulations on what you've done so far and best of luck in 2018 with Caddy Now. And I look forward to talking to you again. Thanks, Colin. Look forward to it. All right. Take care. Bye for now. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Mod Golf Podcast with Dave Cabosa, CEO and founder of Caddy Now. My biggest takeaway from our conversation was Dave's entrepreneurial ability to look outside the golf industry for inspiration and validation, to crack the business model on how to innovate one of the great traditions of the game. If something Dave said inspired you in this episode, I'd love to hear what that was. You can go to our contact page at www.mod.golf to share your thoughts with us. Join me again next week when I speak with Dr. Christopher Kane, who is the director of the PGA Golf Management University program at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Dr. Kane is an engaging speaker, writer, golf educator, and community builder who inspires and helps cultivate the next generation of innovative golf industry leaders. And that type of mentality of golf is just for that single person or one part of the family unit really needs to go away for it to be successful. And I will say that we are seeing a bit of a shift away from the traditional form, which I think is healthy. And then the market's really going to dictate what sticks and what doesn't. But the fact that we have people that have courage to change it up is what the industry needs. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast, you can find more compelling stories about the future of golf on our episodes page. You can also find all of our previous Mod Golf Podcast episodes on iTunes and Spotify. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks so much for joining me, and I look forward to you listening again soon. Bye for now.